What do I have to do to be saved? It's a question our teacher, the late Dr. J. Vernon McGee, received frequently. And it's a question that we at Through the Bible still hear almost every day. Do you want to know the answer? Or do you know a friend, maybe, who needs to hear this great invitation? Well, then hop aboard the Bible bus and invite everyone you know to join us as we journey through Galatians chapter 2, verses 14 to 20. I'm Steve Schwetz, your host. But before the Bible bus starts rolling, I wanted Greg Harris to come in. He's the president of Through the Bible, and he wants to share some good news with us. So, Greg, what's new at Through the Bible? Ah, one of my favorite questions. Um, and before I answer that, Steve, I, you know, we often, when we have these family talks with our listening family, you know, we, you and I and our team here, we talk about how we don't want to just share what we're doing yeah. that's some, somehow divorced from your daily life as a Christian. So I hope as we talk about this particular new project that you will gain some insights into how God can move in your own life. And hmm. and uh, the first thing I want to say is that some of our really faithful, careful listeners are going to say, well, we've heard about this before, uh, so what? why are you saying it's new? And And what I want to point out is that when God moves in our lives – uh, you know, it doesn't always happen in an instant. Dr. McGee teaches that all throughout the scriptures, you know, when he says the king's business does not require haste and, and we need to wait on the Lord. So the story we want to revisit has some new dynamics, okay? And it starts with a giant refugee camp in northern Kenya in a place called Kukuma. Yep. And what we found out is that there, because of the civil war in South Sudan, there's something in the neighborhood of 60, uh, upwards, maybe even a hundred thousand refugees from South Sudan. Okay. And through some partnerships uh, and relationships, that's a key thing. Mm-hmm. Most of what God will do in our lives will be through relationships, yeah. right? That we already have. Right. Uh, we found out that there's a, a ministry putting, uh, an FM signal into that camp. Hmm. And we were friends with a mutual friend of that ministry. And through that connection and our, our friend, Ray Allery, we love to talk about Ray, our yeah. Canadian director. I, I now say he's like a super magnet for ministry. Yeah. He just walks and, and ministry opportunities. Yeah, come. They, they glom onto him and they just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, and, and it's and, and Ray has as so much earlier this month. We talked about joy in ministry. Ray brings so much joy. And I think people are attracted to his passion, his vision and his joy. And that's why these things are, are happening. Well, so what he did was he said, why don't we put through the Bible on some players mm-hmm. and send it into the camp and see if there's hunger? Well, what do you think happened? Everyone <laughs> used the players yeah. and they said, give us give a us bunch more. more. Yeah. So what Ray did, because Ray is also a very, Dr. McGee would love Ray yeah. because he's very good at, at getting the maximum value he's out a of the dollar. Fellow. Okay. Let us put it that way. Yeah. He, he made a deal and said, we'll give you, um, this large amount of players to go into the camp if you put us on the radio for free for two years. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, sure. And they said, of course. That's oh, my great. goodness. Yeah. Okay. And then I was just talking to him yesterday, and the part that's new in this story is that there's another FM station by another ministry that we know, and they are administering in Swahili because there are Swahili speakers in, in this camp. camp. So, wow. so the, the South Sudanese, we've often talked about the Juba Arabic, yeah. which you and I were in Uganda right. to meet Pastor Abraham. Pastor Abraham. Uh, so we actually now have, uh, through the Bible going in from two different FM stations into this gigantic refugee camp. I hear it has like 200,000 oh people goodness. in it. And so it's, and I don't mean this in any, uh, disrespectful way. It is a captive audience. Yeah. I mean, it is a lot like, 
broadcasting into a prison. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, Steve, this is just exciting and, and I, I hope we can enjoy it and also maybe think about your own life and think about the relationships you have. And th- the thing I admire about Ray is he's just, he has, he has so much vision about reaching people that I think God will show him ways yeah. to do it. Yeah. He just opens doors and blesses. Uh, raise efforts and yeah. e- even this program. I mean, we've had just from these conversations, we've had people contact us and yes. we are doing ministry <laughs> yeah. as a result of people hearing, you know, these kind of stories. Yes. And, and that you're, you're referring to, we love to tease our friend in Las Vegas. Yeah. What who, good thing comes yeah, out of Vegas? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that, that is a similar story where we started and Ray started putting players in there with through yeah. the Bible on the local language that's in Liberia. And now they want to start a radio station. Yeah. And the, the thing I love about telling these stories is we didn't make any of this up. We didn't. It was never our idea to do it. All we did was follow God's lead. Yeah. And it's also encouraging because you know, we jokingly said, you know, I, I called Ray. I don't know if I called him cheap or whatever I called yeah, him. Thrifty. Thrifty, you a called thrifty him. Fellow. You didn't call him cheap. But uh, that bleeds over into one of our core values of yeah. stewardship. Yes. And we want to be good stewards uh, of the financial support, the gas for the Bible yep. bus, as so many listeners talk about, or spare tire or whatever. I mean, some of that gets repurposed and sent internationally. And we want to make sure that we don't just spend a bunch of money and get a commitment no. to something, and then we don't get a response. So especially with these media players, everybody yeah. loves little digital shiny things, and we want to make sure that they're actually using them, and we've been very diligent in that. Yes, Greg, pray for us as we begin. Father, thank you for the new things you're doing in uh, the ministry through the Bible around the world. I pray that you'd be doing new things in the lives of our listening family and that they would testify to your greatness in their lives. And we look to you now as we open our hearts to study your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now here's our study of Galatians 2 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now today, friends, we come back to Galatians, the second chapter, verse 15. Now we had been talking about the personal experience Paul had had. That is, his personal experience in Arabia. We see the origin of the gospel as far as he was concerned. That was the time of the conversion of the man. And then we had the experience of Paul with the apostles in Jerusalem. We see the oneness of the gospel. Though he'd had no contact with the apostles at all relative to the gospel he was preaching and the gospel they were preaching, he found out they were preaching the same thing, the gospel of the grace of God, and that they were in that day communicating the same gospel. Then we had the experience of Paul in Antioch, with Simon Peter, and there we saw the opposition to the gospel, and it came in a very unusual way. It was a man that yielded to legalism. Even Simon Peter did that. And the gospel ought to lead to having a conviction concerning conduct. Now, we said last time that Simon Peter, who came up to Antioch to visit, saw that Paul was eating at the Gentile table and enjoying a good pork roast. He wondered whether he could try it. And so he went over and he found out that he liked pork too and never tasted it before. And he was enjoying that table, living just like a Gentile until the brethren came up from Jerusalem. And I tell you, those were austere gentlemen. They were legalistic. Well, when these brethren came up, Simon Peter, he beat it back to the kosher table sat down with these brethren rather sheepishly. And Paul saw what was taking place. And Paul says here, 
Verse 14, and I back up to read that again. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Now, what he's saying is simply this, that this man when he left the Gentile table and went back to the kosher table, he's saying that that Gentile table is wrong, or he wouldn't have left it. He's saying that the kosher table is the right one, and he goes back from the liberty that we have in Christ to a legalism, actually, to Judaism again. Now, the nature of the rebuke that Paul gave shows, first of all, the inconsistency of law-keeping. You see... If it was right for Simon Peter to live as the Gentile believers live, why should he desire the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? And that's what he's saying when he went back there. Now, if Gentile living under grace, apart from the law, was good enough for Simon Peter, was it bad for the Gentiles themselves? Well, it's like that song, the old-time religion. If it was good for Paul and Peter, it's good enough for me, friends. And it is the liberty that we have in Christ. Now, if Simon Peter was free to live outside the law, was it not lawful for the Gentiles to do the same? Now, Paul begins at verse 15 to state the doctrine of justification by faith. And we have, first of all, in the remainder of this chapter, justification by faith, the doctrine stated. Now, will you listen to this? Now, Paul takes his position as a Jew. That was his background. Listen to him. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentile. Now, the Jew in that day looked upon the Gentile as a sinner. In fact, Gentile and sinner were rather synonymous in that day. And therefore, the rebuke that Paul gave shows the folly, actually, of law-keeping, how really foolish it is. Now, will you listen to him as he is speaking in this section here? He says, knowing that a man, this is verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we, that is, we Jews, we Israelites, we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, I'd like to hear the legalist preach on that verse. Never heard but one on it, and I tell you it was a travesty of interpretation to hear him take this verse. This verse will upset every legal system there is today, and any person that says that you have to add anything to faith in Christ, my friend, when the minute that you do that, you have absolutely mutilated the gospel. Now, notice what he's saying here. He says, if a Jew had to leave the law behind, that is, he had to forsake it, in order to be justified by faith and not by the works of the law, then Paul's question is, why should the Gentile be brought under the law? And that was the great argument at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15. Should the Gentile be brought under the law? 
And thank God the answer then was, guided by the Spirit of God, that the Gentile was not under the law or salvation at all, and actually he's not under it for living at all. He's called to a much higher plane. Now, will you notice, could the Gentile find justification under the law when the Jew had already proven that it was impossible? The Jew had had the law for almost 1,500 years, and he hadn't been able to keep it at all. And the thing was that why force the Gentiles under that which had not saved not even one Israelite? Now, as the Gentile believers were already justified by grace, Paul is saying it would be folly for them to turn from that to the law which had been unable to justify the Jew. Now, that's what he's saying in this section, and I want now to pick this verse apart. Will you look at it now with me? And I hope you have your Bible before you, and you could just follow along in the text. Oh, how you need that through here. Now, will you listen to this? Knowing that a man, this is something you can know. You can know whether you're saved or not. Knowing that a man, what kind of man? Anthropos is the word. And it means, actually, it's the generic term for mankind. And it speaks of the solidarity of the race, the common humanity that all of us have. This breaks the barrier of color. It breaks the barrier of race. It breaks the barrier of the social strata. Knowing that any man, doesn't make any difference who the man is, we are all on one ground before the cross. And that ground just happens to be sinner. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. I don't care who you are, you're a sinner in God's sight. Knowing that a man, any man, is not justified by the works, and the thee here is not in the original. Actually, it should be works of law. Now, that includes the Mosaic system, but it includes any legal system. Now, will you hear me very carefully? If you say today that you have to join a certain church, or that you have to have a certain experience, or that you have to be baptized to be saved, may I say to you that you're contradicting this verse here, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of law, any law, the Mosaic system. But Paul here embraces the whole legal system that you find in every religion. In fact, the thing that makes Christianity different from every religion on top side of the earth, friends, is this. Every religion that I know anything about, and I have attempted to read up on all the religions and cults of this world, and every one of them says, do something, do something. Every one of them. Christianity does not say that. Christianity says you're justified by faith. That is, faith in an accomplished act and fact for you. That is, every other religion says do. Christianity says done. It's done. The great transaction is done. And you're asked to believe it. Now, let me add something else here that I didn't even mention when we went through 1 Corinthians in that section on gifts. What Paul is actually saying when in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. 
Now will you listen to me very carefully here. No man can call Jesus a curse. How can you call Jesus a curse? If you say to me, McGee, when you came to Christ and accepted him as your Savior, you didn't get all that was coming to you. Now the Holy Spirit can give you something that you didn't get in Christ, and you ought to seek that today. My friend, when you begin to depreciate the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross, when he came to this earth to die for you and worked out a perfect salvation so that when he went back to heaven, it says he sat down at the right hand of God. You know the reason it says he sat down? Because there wasn't anything else to be done. If there was, he would have done it before he sat down. When he sat down, it meant it was an accomplished fact. Now, when you say that he didn't do it all for me, may I say you're saying Jesus is a curse. And you can't do that by the Holy Spirit of God. And you're not giving me good advice. You're not giving me the word of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he will take the things of Christ, the Lord Jesus said, and show them unto you. In fact, he said, he'll not speak of himself. My friend, you got the whole ball of wax when you came to Christ. He's given you everything that you'll need in this life. And it's to Christ that we come. He is the one today that administers all the gifts, if you please. Now, the Holy Spirit is the one that gives them, but only he's working down here under the supervision of the second person of the Godhead. The Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church. My friend, today we've got everything in him. He is all in all. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the amen. And when you say amen, you're through, my friend. Amen. He did it all. And that's all he asks you to say when you come to him. Now, this is pretty straight here. You can't misunderstand this verse. Knowing that any man, any human being, man or woman, black or white, doesn't make any difference, rich or poor, bond or free, Roman, American, Chinese, knowing that any man is not justified by the works of law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Not faith plus something, faith plus nothing. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Now, he says, we. Who's we? We Israelites. We had to leave the law and come to Christ and trust him in order to be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of law. Listen to him. I think anybody can understand this. I think some of the liberal theologians would be able to understand this. Will you listen to it? This is the Word of God. For by the works of law shall no flesh be justified. Don't depreciate the work of the Lord Jesus and say that I didn't get everything from him. I got a perfect salvation from him. I was a hell-doomed sinner. I came to him. I trusted him. And he is the one that has saved me. Now, will you notice verse 17? But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin, God forbid. Now, this is a verse, very candidly, that I'm very frank to say is a little more difficult, I think a little more difficult to understand than verse 16. Let me give you what I believe is the sense of it here. 
And I should probably elaborate a little bit more on when it says justified by faith. Justified is the Greek word dikaio, which means to declare a person right. That is to make him right. You're declared to be right by your faith in Jesus Christ. And it means a sinner who's guilty before God and he's under condemnation and under judgment and he's declared to be right with God on the basis of his faith in the redemption that we have in Christ. And it's not just forgiveness of sins, which is subtraction, but it's the addition of the righteousness of Christ. He's declared righteous. And it's not my righteousness, because my righteousness is not acceptable, and it's not as good as this. I got a perfect righteousness, and that is Christ. Now, the Jew had to forsake the law, take his place as a sinner in order to be saved by the faith in Christ. Now, I do not think that any statement could be more dogmatic and crystal clear than, by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, verse 17 goes on to say, and the sense of this verse seems to be that since the Jew had to forsake the law in order to be justified by Christ and therefore take his place as a sinner, is Christ the one who makes him a sinner? Paul says, of course not. The Jew, like the Gentile, was a sinner by nature, and he could not be justified by the law as he demonstrated. This is what we have in Acts 15, verses 10 and 11. Now, therefore, why put God to the test to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Who said that? Simon Peter said that, by the way. And so he and Paul were in agreement on the doctrine of justification by faith. Now, let me just keep right on moving right down in this section here. He says, verse 18, For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. In other words, what Paul actually is saying here is that if I go back under law, then I make myself a transgressor. But he says, I'm free from the law. Now, how did he become free from the law? He says, for I, through law, am dead to law. And these shouldn't be here. That I might live unto God. I, through the law, am dead to the law. In other words, when Christ died for me, I died. And I died, now I'm dead to the law. And I'm not under it. So that's another reason that he gives here for this matter of rebuking Simon Peter. We are absolutely free from the law. Now, will you notice verse 20? And this is another one of these most misunderstood verses. And I'll carry it over to the next time to elaborate it on it more, because this is an important section, friends. As you can see, this tells you what the gospel really is. Verse 20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, and he gave himself for me. Now, this verse states a fact which is true of every believer. And it's not that we're to seek to be crucified with Christ. Now, I've been to conferences, young people's conferences. When I was a younger preacher, I went for 12 straight years here in Southern California to one of the greatest conference grounds for young people in that day that I've ever been to. And I've seen literally hundreds 
I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say I've seen thousands of young people accept Christ, and I meet them all over this land. I hear from them. Many of them write in and say, it was up there at that conference. I made a decision. But I've heard many of those young people get up and they give verse 20 of Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. And they did not know any more what that verse meant than a goat raising grass out on a hillside. They just didn't know. But that verse is without doubt more misapplied today. But I'll wait till next time and I want to talk about it because it's another very important verse, by the way. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. That's all for today. If you want to get a copy of the reading schedule for our studies, download it at ttb.org forward slash bookmark or call 1-800-65-BIBLE and we'll put you on our mailing list to receive it along with our monthly newsletter. Again, that's ttb.org or 1-800-65-BIBLE. I'm Steve Schwetz, and we're so grateful for your company on the Bible bus and we're praying that you'll be strengthened and helped by God's Word today. Through the Bible is a five-year study of God's entire Word, and together we discover God's purposes in history and our lives, found only when we believe in Jesus Christ. Do you know Him yet?